Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hello, plant friends. Welcome to Plow and Hose. Thank you for joining me today here in my little studio here in Taylor, Texas. I don't know about you, but I am kind of excited because we are in the second half of February, and that means only two more weeks until we get to our last average frost. For us here in Central Texas, our last average frost date is March 5th, so that's coming up pretty soon. That last average frost date is usually the last chance for a killing freeze. So when it gets down to like 32 degrees, it means that things are warming up and we aren't likely to get that last freezing temperatures again until later in the year, like late November. So I'm so excited. Once we get past the last average frost day it's generally safe to say we aren't going to have any more of those bullshit (laughs) freezing temperatures and we can absolutely get excited about our warm season gardens right now leading up to that last frost date it really is an amazing time of the year for us gardeners and plant people because There's just so much stuff that we can plant in our gardens. We can sow the last round of cool season plants. Uh, We can direct sow seeds like spinach, radishes, lettuce, greens like kale and mustard. We can plant sugar snap peas. You got to get those in quick. And also beets and carrots. And if you can find transplants... You can also plant broccoli, cabbage, asparagus, and artichoke crowns right now. Now that there are only a couple of weeks until the last average frost, we can start all the warm season plants inside so that you can get a jump start on the summer harvest. It's not too late to start tomatoes and peppers inside. They'll be a little bit smaller, but go ahead, get them started. Don't wait. You could start some other plants inside, like eggplant, chard, cucumbers, and squash. It's actually the perfect time of the year to start cucumbers and squash inside. These guys like warm, sunny spring weather, but outside, it's too early to start them. But you can, you can get a jump start and start them inside and have them grown out and mature enough to plant them safely outside by March 5th. If we want to get them in the ground as soon as possible, then it's recommended that we start these seeds indoors two weeks before the last average frost. So counting back from March 5th, that means we need to start our seeds inside right about now. 
unlike pepper seeds. Cucumbers and squash seeds are very enthusiastic germinators. If you have fresh seeds, they rarely take more than a few days to sprout. And they also put out large seedlings right off the bat. So if you have kids around your house, squash and cucumbers are really good plants if you want to help them get started with gardening because they are just so easy. And you know, with cucumbers, you actually stand a chance of having the kids in your life try something straight from the garden. I am 100% all for kids having plants and learning how to grow things, especially foods. To me, it's just so important for people of all ages to understand and appreciate where food comes from and all that is involved with having fresh produce. Growing foods not only teaches them science, but it also teaches kids softer skills like patience and nurturing. Gardening can help older kids practice their critical thinking skills like cause and effect and problem solving. For some kids, gardening can help relieve stress. You know, just taking five or 10 minutes to go check on your plants can be a really great distraction. Caring for plants also teaches responsibility and plants are a whole lot cheaper and definitely more quiet than a puppy. Okay, I know, I know a puppy is not nearly as cuddly as a tomato plant and they can't play fetch with you, but tomatoes also don't bark. Plus you get like fresh fruit right off the vine. So anyway, having a gardening hobby is also good for adults too. Gardening is not only a a pleasant and relaxing pastime, it can help you be more productive in other parts of your life. Spending time out in your garden allows you to relax and unwind and refocus your energies separate from your work day. Time outside in the garden nurtures, you know, just being out there nurturing your plants every day is so soothing to the soul. Not only that, but you also get to flex your problem-solving skills and your project management skills, but you do it in a different way, a way that's more interesting because nature is much more flexible, much more variable. It's ever-changing, but it's also really, really rewarding. You know, back in 2020, lots of people started gardens for the first time in response to the pandemic. Some were motivated to set up a garden because they realized that the food supply chain isn't near as stable as we were used to, and that's a little unnerving. Some folks also started gardens because they finally had some time to start one that 
you know, even this show is a byproduct of the pandemic. I've always enjoyed supporting others and I love plants and nature. So it prompted me to start this show as a way to connect people and help people become more successful for their, with their gardens. You know, no matter why you find yourself here listening to the show, growing a few foods at home and nurturing plants and flowers is just a wonderful and uplifting experience. And I'm so glad that we discovered each other. All right, let's get back to those cucumber and squash seeds. We can start those indoors now. And since they are larger plants, they can be a little picky about transplanting. So consider planting them in individual paper cups or like peat pots that can be directly planted in the ground. If you want to directly sow the seeds into the ground, then you gotta wait until the second half of March and you know early April to put those right in the ground. But let me tell you, there is an advantage to just going ahead and starting squash and cucumbers indoors. By planting more mature plants when you normally would direct sow seeds, you can get ahead of those horrible squash vine borers. Here in Central Texas, those jerk bugs start to show up when the temperatures start to warm up. So we'll start seeing adult squash vine borer moths in late April, early May. Squash vine borers are moths that lay their eggs at the base of squash plants. The eggs look like little tiny brown poppy seeds. The eggs develop into larvae, and then the little tiny caterpillars will burr into the vine, and that's where they live and grow inside. And they absolutely love it there. They, while they are doing their thing, the little squash plant is gonna start having issues with water and nutrient flow. Sort of like how if you get like a clog in your pipes, that will impede the flow of water. Eventually, the larva will have eaten and grown so much that the squash plant will start to wilt and eventually die. By the time that we notice that there's something wrong with the plant, unfortunately, it's too late. Chances are they have done enough damage to the plant and it will start to shrivel up and die. But if you plant your seedlings early, your baby squash plants will have a chance to set flower and fruit and have a decent harvest in case the squash vine borers show up and start eating on your vines. If you had trouble with squash vine borers last year, planting earlier could do the trick, but you could also try growing your squash in a different location, in a, a totally different bed. If you had an infestation last year, probably the best thing that you can do is remember where you planted them last year and then don't plant any more squash there again because those squash vine borers, they can live in the soil and overwinter and then 
be a problem again this year. Another thing you can do is you can try a new variety. Now, supposedly the squash vine borers like some squash plants better than others. So to me, it's worth growing something new each year. You know, you can always keep, try your favorite, but then also try something new. One year we had Italian black zucchini that did really well. And then we had some pumpkins that took off really, really great. And then the sports, um, the squash vine borers just showed up and ruined it, ruined them. Um, but we had also planted some tatumi squash and they also, they left the squash, uh, tatumi squash all alone. Tatumi is a dual purpose squash. It can be harvested when it's about the size of a softball and used like zucchini, or you can let it grow and it will grow to the size of like a basketball and it'll get hard like a winter squash. I read online one time that butternut squash are the least likely to get infested. So, you know, maybe that's a good option for you. Last year I grew an Italian variety called tromboncino and that was supposed to be more, um, resistant to the squash vine borers, but I still attracted plenty of them to my garden and I had a pretty decent harvest, but honestly, I had to take some extreme measures to keep those plants alive. Now, as you're working out in your yards and getting your spring beds all ready, when you're out there turning your soil over, if you come across like some dark reddish orange little pods in the soil. They kind of look like oval pointy seashells. Those are squash vine borer moth chrysalises. Chrysalises. And you have got to get those out of your bed. I mean, just sift them out. You can crush them right away. You can set them aside and then feed them to your chickens you can pull them out and then drop them into a bucket of water with some bleach in it. I don't care. You can put them under your car tires and run over them. Just do what it takes to keep those squash vine borer moths out of your garden and out and away from reproducing and leaving eggs all over the place that will just turn into caterpillars, which will end up eating your squash vines. Just do <laughs> what it takes to keep all that from happening. You can start any of the warm season cucurbits inside right now and get a head start on your garden. So. Cucumbers and squash are cucurbits, but you can also start any of their cousins inside too. You can set up your seed starting trays and plant watermelons, pumpkins, gourds, loofah, cantaloupes, and other melons, along with your cucumbers and summer squash. 
If you are interested in trying some different varieties of cucumbers this year, let me recommend a Japanese variety called Jabai, um, another cucumber called Bite Alpha, and Armenian cucumbers. The Japanese Jabai cucumbers are long and skinny, kind of like a English hothouse cucumber. Um, they get really long, but they kind of curve up. They don't maintain like a really super straight shape, but that's cool. Bite cucumbers, um, that's spelled B-E-I-T. They are short and um, small, thin-skinned cucumber. They're very popular in the Mediterranean. Um, they're very similar to like Persian cucumbers. Armenian cucumbers are totally different. They are actually melons, but they have pale green fruits that are kind of long and skinny and they can grow up to like two feet long. They look and grow and taste just like cucumbers. I really, really like Armenian cucumbers. They just do so well for me. And we always have so, so many. So many that we get sick of them by the end of the summer. And everyone is just so sick and tired of cucumbers for every meal. And it's like cucumbers, breakfast, lunch, and dinner some sometimes. Um, you know, last year I ended up juicing quite a few because... Um, we just couldn't stand them anymore, so I ended up drinking them. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you enjoy my show, I hope you will go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page or the Plow and Hose Instagram and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play and pause and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and be sure to leave that review. It's so easy. It's really quick. Just click on the stars, leave a couple sentences. It helps a lot. It's going to help other people find the show. And it lets people know that Plow and Hose is a pretty good show. If you've already left a review, thank you so, so very much. It really does mean a lot to me. And it just kind of helps validate everything that I've been doing to help share gardening information with you guys. All right, now, Valentine's Day and President's Day, this time of year is the planting season for Irish potatoes here in Central Texas. If you want to grow potatoes, now is the time to get them in the dirt. I've noticed seed potatoes available at the feed stores. Seed potatoes are your best bet for success because they are intended for home gardening. You can use grocery store potatoes. 
you can plant those, but you don't always know if grocery store potatoes have been treated with anything that would keep them from sprouting. Grocery stores sometimes apply growth inhibitors to extend the shelf life of potatoes. You might be able to um, get away with using organic potatoes. Those are less likely to be treated with any sort of growth inhibitors, but Really, the easiest thing to do is just get some seed potatoes. They are pretty easy to find right now, especially if you shop at independent nurseries and local feed stores. Some varieties to look for are Yukon Gold, White Kennebec, Red Lesota, and Red Pontiac. If you choose smaller potatoes, like one inch, one and a half inch seed potatoes, you'll have better luck than if you try cutting up larger potatoes. You have to let cut pieces dry a few days and let them callous over a little bit before you plant them. Because if you put them in, if you cut up your potato, put those eyes in the ground and they haven't calloused over, there's a good chance that they are going to rot because they aren't sealed over. Cutting up a larger potato is a way to save a little bit of money, but it's pretty risky because you're exposing the cut pieces to air and soil pathogens. You don't have to pre-sprout. You don't have to pre-sprout potatoes if you don't want to. But a lot of people like to set their seed potatoes out in a warm, sunny spot and let the potatoes start to develop eyes. The eyes are the first signs of the sprouts. Those are like where they put on the little greens and like the little dimples on your potato. This is like a jump start. It gives them the opportunity to realize it's time to start putting on stems and leaves and making more potatoes. If you put them in the ground and cover them up with dirt, they will eventually sprout on their own. So if you're just, you have a certain amount of time and you have potatoes, but they're not sprouted, stick them in the ground. It might take an extra week or two to put on new leaves and sprout up, but just do it. Potatoes are pretty forgiving, which is good because this year, I'm going to use grocery store potatoes. And only because I already have a bag of baby potatoes that have already started sprouting. I think the universe just wants me to plant them. So I'm going to use those this year. Why else would I have forgotten about these potatoes if they weren't special? I don't know. I know. Maybe they're special. Special like me. Potatoes like nice, well-draining soil. So this is sort of a problem if you plan to grow potatoes directly in the ground on this side of interstate 35 on the east side of 
IH35. Because we have Blackland Prairie soil over here in Taylor. Our black heavy clay soils just hold too much water and they tend to get really hard when it dries out too much. So too much water or very hard soil that's super, super dry is not good for trying to grow potatoes. So if you want to sow them directly into our soil, you really need to amend the soil with lots and lots of compost to keep the soil loose. You might be better off trying to grow potatoes in a raised bed or in a container. There are lots and lots of ideas on how, uh, on what to use and how to grow potatoes in containers. You can use big tubs, half barrels. You can make a potato box. You can grow them in bags. Some people use old trash cans to grow potatoes. As long as it has drain holes, pretty much anything could work to grow potatoes. Since potatoes put out tubers from their stems, try growing them vertically. So for example, let's say you have a half barrel and you wanna use that. So just put down five to six inches of well-draining soil and then put some seed um, potatoes in the bottom. Space them about like 12 inches apart and then just cover them up. Let that layer grow a little bit and put on some leaves. And then when those first leaves get to be about six inches tall, put down some more soil, but leave the tops of the plants exposed, just the very top. Keep doing this until they grow to the top of the container. So grow, then cover, grow, then cover, grow, then cover. The plants will put out tubers all along those buried stems. Growing vertically will help save space while giving you a lot of potatoes. One time I found some instructions on the internet and my dad made me a potato box. It has four boards around the bottom and has four posts, so one in each corner. The bottom level is like one board wide and I put seed potatoes in the bottom and then I cover them with like six inches of soil. When the leaves pop up, I'll screw on another board on all four sides and then cover the stems with soil. As the plants grow, I screw on another, another board all around and put down some more soil. And eventually I have a nice tall potato box that's like four, four and a half feet tall. Of course, you can just plant your seed potatoes in a regular bed, but no matter how you decide to plant them, just go ahead and do it because fresh new potatoes are so good. <laughs> if you've never tried growing your own potatoes, consider it this year. Definitely give it a shot. This time of year, late February, I know it's technically late winter, 
but it's such a great time for us gardeners. It's just so good. And I really want to rebrand it. And I think I might start calling it pre-spring. I mean, obviously I'm really excited about all the things that we can plant right now, all the cool season crops that we can put in for one last round before it gets too warm for those plants. But plus we can start warm season crops right now if we start them inside. You know, we are not just limited to starting warm season veggies inside. It's also the perfect time to start some summer herbs indoors. Basil is always a popular herb to grow because, you know, if you grow tomatoes, basil goes hand in hand and it's hard to beat fresh tomatoes paired with fresh basil. Basil is a member of the mint family and is primarily associated with Italian dishes, but it's also a predominant herb in Indonesian, Thai, and Vietnamese cuisine. All basil is really fragrant. It has a lovely kind of sweet, peppery, licorice scent. And depending on the variety you have, basil can be pretty pungent and almost like hot and spicy. There are more than 60 varieties of basil and they range in color from red to purple to, of course, various shades of green. Each variety has its own distinct flavor too. Sweet, babels, sweet basils are also most popular for, um, for European type flavors. You know, think Italian and Greek, French, Mediterranean, Whereas Thai basil has stronger, more anise licorice flavor. Traditional sweet basils have large, wide, slightly more tender leaves, whereas the other varieties have smaller leaves and kind of a more intense scent and flavor. Of all the basils, I'm personally partial to lemon basil, lemon and lime basil. Um, they both have a very distinct citrus note that is just gorgeous. I also love regular sweet basil and the bigger the leaves, the better for me. The smaller leaf basils like Thai basil and cinnamon basil tend to be more concentrated in flavor to me. They also look a little less lush in the garden. Um, that's totally fine because if you are growing them so that you can harvest the leaves for cooking, then it doesn't matter what they look like. If you want to harvest leaves all season long, you have to pinch out the flowers. As the plants grow, they have one goal, and that's to make flowers so that they can set seed and get ready for the next generation of plants. Flowers exist for one reason, and that's to make new plants. When a bug pollinates a flower, the plant goes into seed making mode. The plant puts all of its energy into making seed and it stops making more flowers. If you want more flowers, then you're gonna have to deadhead. And this is just pinching off the dead flower head. 
You don't have to pull off the dead petals. You just have to snip off the whole head before it sets seed. You can pen most of most of the time. You can just pinch off um, the flower heads with just your fingernails, or you might need like scissors or some small pruners just to make it faster. It's a really easy chore, but if you keep up with it, you can have lots of leaves all summer long. If you have herbs in your garden and you want to prevent them from flowering so that you have more leaves to harvest, you got a deadhead. Herbs like basil, thyme, rosemary, parsley, cilantro, mint, they will put out flower and flowers and set seed quickly. And when this happens, the plants are kind of done. They've, they've set seed. They're not going to grow anymore. They're going to set those seeds and release them. So pinch off the flowers so that you have plenty of leaves to harvest later. Borage is another herb that can be started indoors now. Borage is really an underrated plant. I, I really like borage. You might have heard of borage oil. It's one of the, it's a supplement oil. It's one of the essential fatty acid oils. It's high in omega-6. And all of that oil comes from borage seeds. Now, you'd have to grow a crap ton of borage plants in order to collect enough seeds to express them for their medicinal oil. But just because they have that one function doesn't mean that they aren't worthwhile to have in your personal yard because they are put on these really wonderful flowers that the bees and other early spring pollinators just love. They really, really love borage flowers. Borage is also known as star flower because it puts out sweet little blue star-shaped flowers. The flowers are very popular with pollinators, but they're also edible for people and the flowers and the smaller leaves taste just like cucumbers and they're really popular um, to add to beverages just to kind of give it a hint of cucumber flavor. You can also, they also um, work really well in salads too. Borage is a warm weather annual. It does best when started inside right now. It has um, delightful fuzzy leaves and stems and it does add a nice texture to your garden and it does really well in containers too. Borage prefers full sun and it does best with at least six hours of sun. It's one of those plants that has more foliage than blossoms, but that's okay because the leaves do a really good job of acting like mulch by shading the soil and keeping soil temperatures low. Borage is also deer resistant, so if you have an issue with deer nibbling in your garden, then borage might be a good plant for you to add to your landscape. And it's really nice to plant for the early pollinators.
Well, thank you all for joining me today. I hope you guys are as excited as I am for spring. We are so, so close to being able to enjoy the prospects of a new season because there was just so much that we can plant now, both outside and starting inside. It really, really is a great time of year. And there's just so much promise with a reboot, a change in the seasons, going from dark, sluggish days of winter as we transition to the lighter days and new beginnings. Yay, pre-spring. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas. Music